Croeso e Justa Talkin. Welcome to Just a Ticket, the bi-weekly Transport for Wales podcast. Today we'll be discussing all the work that TFW do when we hold major events across the network. And joining me on today's podcast... Daisy Sydenham, Special Events Planner from Transport for Wales Rail Limited. And... Adam Terry, Head of Operational Planning for Transport for Wales Rail. Welcome both to the podcast. Before we start, Daisy, do you just want to tell us a little bit about what your job entails? Yeah, of course. So, um, as I said, I'm a special events planner. So, uh, when an event, be it rugby match, concert, food festival, is announced across the network, uh, we essentially source additional resource, uh, enhance or amend a train plan to facilitate a better customer experience for those travelling on that day. Great. And, and by yourself, Adam? Yeah, so um, so Daisy works within my team, so um, amongst some other, a few other, other areas of the business in terms of some elements of train planning, uh, road replacement bus planning um, and event planning. Um, we effectively take the, the service plan of the day and try and make sure that it gets delivered effectively to the customers. And event plan is a massive thing. Special events, you know, I've attended lots of special events myself in Cardiff. I know it goes on across the whole network. Just start us off, Adam. What's the process? It's, it's obviously a big planning process. How does it start? Yeah, there certainly is. So, um, so we we tend to start planning for events um, as far ahead as we can if if we know about them. Sometimes months, you know, potentially even years in advance. We've hosted a lot of major events in Wales over the last few years, including things like the Rugby World Cup, the Champions League final, you know, Six Nations matches, as Daisy mentioned, food festivals all around the country, football matches. Um, so we start as far ahead as we can, really. Um, if we know about events long in advance, we'll start with the identification process. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll know already about, about next next year's Six Nations fixtures. So we'll start looking at them at the earliest available opportunity. So there's a process of identification. Um, we'll identify all the events that we know about and we'll keep our, our eye on the ball when any new events are, are sort of unveiled and revealed and and go on sale for tickets as well so that identification process keeps tabs on what's happening up and down Wales and the borders to make sure that we are on top of any events that are announced as soon as they are announced Uh, then we go into the preparation cycle so we'll start to develop plans we'll look at what the train plan looks like any station and crowd management plans that need to be rolled out as part of that process communication uh, but also command and control depending on the scale of the event we'll do different things in terms of command and control and the extent to which we'll roll out mitigation measures to make sure people can travel to and from the events effectively yeah so just going back to that identification um process so once we um have a view of said events uh, we categorize them and this is largely based um on risk so we review factors um such as uh, the amount expected to attend the demographic of the attendees for example is this a family event or are we expecting 8000 football fans um, and we also use intel from uh, other sources such as british transport police uh, security reports local police forces and come to an ultimate categorization um a b and the top going down to e and be in the lower risk essentially um, and then yeah as Adam sort of is outlining based on the category and um, we have a basic overview of what we need in terms of crowd management railway colleague support uh, from staff that don't necessarily work in the station um, security train service signage uh, rail replacement um, and any additional resources in terms of uh, um, what we need to do to bolster a marketing plan and a media plan to sort of really get that information out there to our customers so so initially you, you've got the identification process then you categorize them so obviously a rugby international would be sort of your higher category in comparison yes. to a smaller food festival. Yeah, of course. And then once you've got the category in place, is it about allocating the, the right resource and the right amount of trains? Yeah, absolutely. So once we've got we've got a preparation phase and a cycle that's gone through there, we effectively have our plan on a page. It then goes into the deployment phase of turning that into reality. So taking what we've got on that page, 
um, bringing in the resources, the tools, the equipment. It could be barriers. It could be you know things as things as small as cable ties. It could be uh, the resources in the form of you know people and um, and staff that might need to support stations on the event days, but also making sure that we've got the right train plan in place as best we can. So, so on a on an international day then, or a, or a large scale event at Cardiff. Are extra trains brought in? Is is it does the timetable change? It does, yeah. Yeah. I think um we get we get frequent feedback on major event days, particularly in Cardiff, um, around well, there's a few key questions and key themes that tend to emerge. We get a lot of feedback via social media channels, that sort of thing. So the first one is can you put on more carriages? Can you put on extra trains? Did you know there was an event happening? So we get yeah. a few sarcastic comments. We tend to get the recurring meme around the the picture of the the Indian Railway and people sat on the roof of the train we'll and that sort that of one. thing as well. That comes up quite frequently. So to answer that question, yes, we do. We do put on uh, additional trains. We put on additional capacity. We we make as much space available on event days as we possibly can. Um, I think it's a hugely complicated and complex process building a train plan. I think the, the most similar thing I could liken it to is doing a jigsaw, you know, one of those really big ones with lots of pieces that yeah. has a thousand pieces and is like, you know, a, a hill in, in the Lake District or something like that. One of those really complex jigsaws. But then when that jigsaw settles, the pieces grow legs and start moving around. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to constantly keep on top of that. You need a plan to make sure that you know what good looks like, but it also needs very, very careful management on the day. And to boil it down to a simplest form, I think there's three constituent pieces that you really need in order to build an effective train plan. So number one is you need trains. You need the actual units themselves. Number two is you need a path for those trains. And number three is that you need train crew. So if you've got all those things and you've got them where you need them to be and you've got them where you need them to be in the correct place and the yeah. right amount of resources, you can deliver a really effective train plan. I'll take the Six Nations just gone as an example of that and how that works and the interdependencies on that. So we had two different sets of kickoff times for the Six Nations just gone. We had a 14.30 kickoff in the afternoon, so 2.30 in the afternoon. We also had an 8 p.m. Friday night fixture. Yeah. So if we look at the afternoon kickoffs, Wales versus Italy, Wales versus Scotland, for an example, at that time of day, have you got units? Well, no, you've not got so many units because there's lots of trains out in traffic already at that point. So bringing in extra units, shifting around carriages is a little bit more difficult. Have you got train crew? Well, yes, you've got quite a lot of train crew around at that time of day because there's lots of people booked on as part of their normal duties. So Mm. you've got a bit more resource and a bit more room to, to play around with things in terms of train crew. Have you got paths? Well, it's a little bit more tight at that time of day because there's lots of trains already bouncing around the network. So the opportunity to bring in extras uh, and thread things through the eye of a needle is a little bit more limited at that time of day. Because so, that's a key point as well. Like, it's not just about the special event. You're still course. moving people all around the network. Absolutely, yeah. We've got a commitment and uh, you know we've got an obligation to the communities all over Wales and the borders. It's not just the individual event that you're looking after yeah. on the day. We have to maintain a service for, for the rest of the network as well. And it might be the case that we can shift around a little bit of capacity from other parts of the country while sustaining that service but you know we can't just call things left right and center yeah. to facilitate the event um so that's a 2 30 kickoff for an example so if we look at the france match the 8 p.m kickoff in the evening completely different picture at that time of night so have you got units well yes you've got quite a lot of units available because at that time of night lots of trains have sort of ended their their duty for the day so you can bring them back out and attach them to things and run more carriages have you got paths to get well you've got quite a lot of paths at that time and night because there's less trains running around so there's more space on the network you can maybe run a few additionals in different paths have you got train crew well no you've not got so much train crew at that time and night because lots of people have finished work for the day so you're a little bit more reliant on overtime mm. so that jigsaw and fitting it together and making sure that you've got the right 
constituent pieces to sustain as much of a service as you possibly can. It varies depending on the event itself, where it is on the network, whether it be in Cardiff or another part of the network and what the normal service might look like, but also what you can bring in additionally as well. Um, you know, very different pictures there. For example, the 2.30 kickoffs, we run much more trains normally so there's lots more trains bouncing around and you might be able to run a few additionals here or there but there will still be some shorter carriage trains running around whereas for an example a friday night game you know we'll run less trains because of the time of day and the yeah. time that we've got to get people home but the majority of them will be longer trains with more carriages it's obviously it's a really complex operation daisy it's also a complex operation on the ground and i've seen you in cardiff for most match days up and down the stairs, moving people around. What goes on in organising the travellers when they get to Cardiff, when they leave, when they're queuing outside? Tell us a little bit about that. So looking at Cardiff Central um, specifically, of course, um, it's, it's just a huge challenge for us, primarily because Cardiff Central is a listed building um, being built in 1912. Um, and it certainly wasn't designed to facilitate the number of passengers that we experience on event days. So what we do is we design... Um, with obviously contractors at a crowd management plan. So we have queuing systems based on calling patterns and destinations. And we try and provide as much information as possible to our passengers to make sure that they're in the right queue to be loaded on the, to the platform safely. So we basically have an overview in our crowd management centre monitored by uh, obviously rail staff uh, with cameras, radios, etc. to um, make sure those comms are sort of very slick um, and operationally savvy um, to load our passengers from the uh, Central Square or the rear of the, rear of uh, Cardiff Central uh, onto the platforms. Now we get a, a lot of varied questions, as you can imagine, um, as James has experienced uh, me answering in my blue high vis vest for customer <laughs> service. Um, so yeah, there's lots of questions around passenger wayfinding, a lot of where's my train, uh, question of facilities, where can I go to the toilet, yep. can I get a drink, will I be able to get on the train? And um, Adam. And what we um, essentially do um, is we deploy um, our additional colleagues uh, on the ground to support that information piece to our, our passengers to try and enhance that customer experience. Because, of course, looking at um, the, the six nations that have just passed, lots of people aren't used to travelling. It's very daunting with that amount of um, people coming in and out of the station. So we try and facilitate that um, in terms of making sure our passengers feel reassured and that they can board the train safely, ultimately. And I think... Um Cardiff really is totally unique in terms of the the Prince Party Stadium itself. Mm. I think, um, I mean, as a football fan who's been home and away to various places up and down the country over mm. the years, I, there's nowhere else like it, certainly in Britain. It's it's right in the middle of the city centre and is at its closest point, I think, less than 300 metres away from, from the railway station. Yeah. So it's totally unique in terms of the size of the stadium, the location of it and the proximity to the station itself. Um but it's also quite unique in the sense that I think the majority of major stadiums in other parts of the country have either multiple railway stations local to them in which people can can come to or from. But they've also got um, a fairly simplistic operation in the sense that you can go one way or another. So you can go back into the city or you can go out yeah. of the city. As Daisy's just explained that we put a lot into wayfinding and the queuing systems that we put in place because there's 12 different places you can go from Cardiff Central or mm. as we like to see it, 11 opportunities to be in the wrong queue and yeah. end up in the wrong place. Yeah. So it's really important that we've got staff on hand, we've got wayfinding signage, we've got big digital screens pointing people in the right direction because the flow of traffic and pedestrian traffic around the station on event days is managed really carefully to make sure people are getting up to the right platform and onto the right train because if you do inadvertently end up 
in the wrong queue, the last thing we want is anyone ending up on the wrong platform and having to navigate their way through a massive crowd of people to get to another platform. Or even worst case scenario, of course, end up on the wrong train going in the wrong direction. Um, So it is unique from that perspective. It's it's a complex operation in comparison to lots of different stadiums and locations around the country, um, which is why there's such an enormous effort in terms of people on the ground and wayfinding to try and make sure they're in the right place. They manage very carefully from that queuing system up to the platform onto the right trainers and away as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I totally agree with you there. As a as a proud Welshman, I think Prince Bartley Stadium is the, is the best stadium in the world, and and that's because it's one of the only ones. And I've watched sport all over the world where the stadium is in the centre of the city. You can be in a pub two minutes before kickoff, and then you're in the game. But also, it's so it's so close to the train station, so you, you can get off the train, you can be in the game within ten minutes as well. But that brings obviously the problems you just. You just mentioned Adam. Yeah, going back to um, the, the queuing system, essentially, I think what we try and push um, in terms of that information sharing piece is that the operation is calculated. So a train comes into a platform, we know how many passengers can board that train. So we load the platform accordingly. Um, so it's not a case of, you know, we don't want our passengers to be waiting in queue for X, Y, Z amount of time. We don't do it for fun. It's primarily for safety and security, of course. Yeah, so that it's about the, the obviously the people who wait outside in the queue when the platform's clear and there's it's a not a long time span till the train comes, they get moved up and they jump on the train. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's to, to try and um, I mean, as Daisy alluded to earlier, Cardiff Central is a very old station which is uh, listed and not necessarily designed for an event like this. So, if if we did leave it as a free for all and allow everyone access and egress to the station at their own will, the platforms are too narrow and too small for yeah. that. So it is in the interest of passenger safety and comfort, really. We want to make sure that there's uh, not too many people on the platform at any given time. Dare I say it, some people might have had a bit of a drink on a rugby day as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the railway is not an environment that mixes well with alcohol. Yeah. Um, so we do do it to keep people as safe and as comfortable as possible and, and make sure we are managing that flow carefully and getting people away in back to their end destination as quickly and safely as possible. And the other thing that happens on match day is sometimes there's extra buses put on. There are, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, is that the boost of the sort of services? It's primarily as a contingency option. So um, plan A will always be to get people away on rail services, um, as I said, as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um but things do go wrong on event days. Um, you know, there is always the unplanned that comes in in the railways and environments. Um that you know things can change rapidly so if something does go wrong we always have to have a fallback option of plan b um so we bring in buses we, we run them to run them to destinations if something does go wrong um but also to bolster that capacity if it's needed as well and and daisy i think some people don't realize when they are having a little moan about what's going on the matches if trains are busy that we're actually shifting between 30 and forty thousand people into Cardiff for a few hours, then moving them back out again. That's obviously a huge, op- huge operation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we do try and share that information as much as possible with passengers. Um, but also we do appreciate that sometimes you are in a queue for a very long time. So we try and interact as much as possible, both um, from, from a rail colleague point, but also we employed crowd management staff to sort of manage the expectation there. Um, we also have digital screens with live updates um, of train services. And, you know, we're not averse to... Um, walk in the queue, having a chat, you know, getting to know our passengers and just trying to reassure them more than anything that they will be able to get on the train. Well, we're never going to leave anyone behind at all. Yeah, and, and you always give out sweets and water, I think, I've experienced. Yeah, sweets and water go down well, yeah, absolutely. We've got all sorts of stocks in hand if uh, if things do go wrong, um, you know, including ponchos if if the rain starts coming. We've got waterproof ponchos to try and keep people dry as well. So, obviously, we've talked about giving out drinks and sweets, 
one of the things we've been giving out for the last two years is is masks as well. So COVID and what people expect and busy trains, that's caused, you know, it's an extra challenge, especially on match day. It certainly is, yeah. Um, so for the Autumn Internationals, as an example, just gone, we gave out between three and 4,000 face masks for every single one of the events. We had big yellow barriers at the end of each queue um, with a dispenser that could dish out face masks. Um, compliance was was mixed i would say what do you think Dave? yeah i definitely say it was mixed but um as, as a business um we tried to just share that information as much as possible um pre-event we also had an education corner um to sort of integrate families um with that message please wear a mask unless you're exempt um but a face painting uh, was very well received by children and also it's just um a, an excuse to start that conversation almost and point to the resources that we have hand sanitizer and masks um available for all of our passengers yeah and it's, it's, it was i was in some of the autumn internationals and using the train but it's, it's, it's really difficult when the trains are that busy you're dealing with that many people you can give out as many masks you know as you did on that day but still people need to police themselves when they go on the train because they're so busy yeah absolutely yeah we put put a lot of mitigation measures in place to try and give everyone the opportunity to um you know have their masks in place make sure their hands are sanitized and um give themselves as much of an opportunity to travel on quieter trains if they, they did choose to do so i mean obviously the events were very busy um and, and event days are always very busy but i think um just giving people the opportunity and the resources and the information to remain as safe and as comfortable as they they are personally um able to and, and would like to on the day is um is an important part of what we tried to put in place um you know there'll be some that, that might have different attitudes towards you know their own individual approach to covid safety measures and, and we respect that and we, we want to give people or wanted to give people the opportunity to to observe their own individual processes as part of that so advertising as much information around when trains are likely to be quieter and encouraging people to travel at those times is is a key part of that message as well and on that point adam what are the key measures obviously you've got a few events coming up we've got um yeah we've got lots of events coming up across the network is um respecting a very very busy summer of events as uh as lots of event organizers start to kind of catch up on on a couple of years lost revenue and what would be your advice to people who are traveling to them events so my main advice would be to um plan ahead so check your journeys try and travel at quieter times if you can as, as early as possible um, check the information around any queuing systems that might might be in place buy your tickets as early as possible so that you can get through barriers as quickly and as effectively as possible as well uh, and come prepared in terms of weather as well check the weather you might be in a, a queuing system that, that could well be outside for a period of time so um, make sure that you're suitably equipped in terms of uh, the clothing that you're wearing as well Daisy would you add anything to the I, I've seen you dealing with um, all sorts of people in the stadium on the on the station on the day yeah absolutely um i think uh my advice would be no, there's no such thing as a stupid question um if you've got any questions at all please approach a member of staff we're here to help at the end of the day and we just want to make your journey as safe and as comfortable as possible um also i think um going back to the alcohol consumption um if you have had a bit too much to drink, please don't try to board a train. Um, it is a dangerous environment, unfortunately, if you are intoxicated um, and there are levels of risk there. We are there to help and support passengers, but ultimately you could pose a risk to yourself and others. Um, but ultimately, yeah, um, it's a great way to travel, of course. Um, fantastic in terms of location from stadium. So we want to encourage our passengers to use our services. Um, and yeah, we're there, to, we're there to help, essentially. Very much so. I think, um, you know, 
we're, we're well aware of the um, the Welsh government approach to hosting events and and trying to encourage events to Wales, and it's going to be a big thing over the next few years. Yeah. Um, so we're fully on board with that. We would highly encourage people to use rail to travel to and from events. You know, the Wales on Rail events and publicity campaign is a great example of that over the last few weeks and months. Um, so yeah, the Welsh government have clearly got lofty ambitions when it comes to event organising and event hosting. Um, you know, and we're a big part of that jigsaw. I think so. Yeah, we yeah, are. And, and as someone who uses the trains for special, it's always a great atmosphere traveling to the game and I always find this a great atmosphere in the queues after the game as well and um, yeah well, well, well done I say to all the team because it's such a huge operation and getting that much people in and out and back home safely is um, you know it's just a difficult task so well done to all the team to do that it's always a good atmosphere if you've had free sweets anyway <laughs> <laughs> and if we've won yes absolutely <laughs> yeah okay that's a great podcast thanks for coming in um, it's been great to chat to you both thanks James thank you very much thanks for listening today if you've got any questions and anything we've discussed, please contact us on social media using the hashtag TFWPod.